0: we are Black. back episode 66 66 we getting lit we are so sick <laughs> so sick welcome back to Goodnight harlem we are your host. i am law
1: Avia, a.k.a. Avi Guys, a.k.a. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Oh, my God. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Me neither. But, hey, this is where we are. Yo, we miss y'all.
0: I miss the hell out of all of y'all.
1: I miss Law. I haven't seen Law all summer. That's not his fault. That could be a collective of things. <laughs> you know what
0: I'm saying? I want to I wanna blame that partially on the Rona. I want to also blame that on the New York Mass Exodus. I want to blame that also on... Uh, everything that's been happening societally so what? we have a lot of things to blame how
1: have you been lately let's talk about that like what's what's your current feeling right now
0: personally i am in a state of uh ignorance like i am literally ignoring things left and right
1: now oh, i thought you're saying ignorance
0: no 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 like as in I am protecting my mental well being yes. and my mental health. Snaps to that. So, yes. I, I'm very clear about this now. Like I can't watch Black Death consistently. Right. I can't watch imagery where over and over and over again uh we're being we're allowing our death to be normalized publicly. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether it's via social media or the general broadcast media, all I keep seeing is either black killings, black shootings, or black people being killed, period. We don't see this with white people, and frankly, I am on pause and mute about a lot of it. And I know that's not the right thing to say in this moment, but for my own sanity's sake, I don't need to see it again and again. I know what's happening. You don't need to convince me that it's happening. What can we do to change things is where my head is at. I'm more in solution mode than I am anything else. and just like i said just trying to protect my mental at all capacity like there's too many things that are happening all at once even outside of even outside of the protesting and the social unrest i also am dealing with family issues i'm also dealing with uh work schedule that's insane i'm also in the process of trying to you know purchase a home right so like Real and,
1: hot boy shit. But in,
0: but in doing all that, there's all these things that are like a lot bigger than it's just too much. So at a certain point, I'm just protecting myself. Really? I like, like focus on things that I could prioritize that um, I know I can action on. And that's really where my, my head is at. What about you? I
1: am the same. I'm the same. I I have gone through so many things since our last episode. First, I want to give a shout out to all the new listeners, specifically the ones that work with me at my job. Um, Someone at work listened to my podcast and all of a sudden after that one person listened, I guess they told someone else about it and word caught like wildfire. And before you know it, I have SVPs, directors, and everybody reaching out to me saying, oh my gosh, Avia, I love your podcast. Mind you, if I can think of anything that is symbolic of this year of discovery and awakening and enlightenment amongst uh, non-people of color, Uh I'll say, I will say that the word spreading about me having a podcast at my job is very parallel to the awakening that people all of a sudden have about what's going on in the news, right? It is interesting that I have had this podcast, we have had this podcast for about what, three years? Yeah. Word around my job about anything spreads like wildfire. Like, you can't, no one can tell someone something and tell someone something else and then it not spread. Someone else is gonna find out, right? right? So, I think what's interesting is that people knew I had a podcast. If you have any interaction with me on a consistent basis or getting to know me, you're going to find out that I have this thing called a podcast outside of work. I have other endeavors, I have other interests, and that falls into that. But I think it's funny that when one person said something, it was like, "Oh, I should now listen." And now it's like, we have 66 episodes and people are just now listening to the thing that they knew that I've had this whole time. They are just now Christopher Columbusing this the thing that I've had. <laughs> These 66 episodes, 65 episodes at the time, didn't just appear when they discovered it. They've been in works ever since we started. So, and, you know, th- that's not that's not to come down on any new listener. I welcome all new listeners.
0: I'm here for y'all being pilgrims. Come on <laughs> through, pilgrims. I just... say
1: better late than never.
0: But never late I is better. I just think
1: it's interesting that 2020 is this profound year of discovery of things that have already existed. Mm-hmm. Police brutality racial um, uh, instances, discrimination, black brutality, the genocide of black people, and our podcast. <laughs> we have existed, uh, right? So I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think that, it's, and this is why white, white allies are important. I know in our, last, in our last segment, I said, you know what? It's very important for you guys to reach out. And I took that back immediately after I said that. I'm like, why did I say that? Because when people were listening to my podcast, started reaching out. And so the reach out was actually a lot of work for me having to respond, because the reach out came in droves of people. Mm-hmm. Avi, I just want to see how you are. Avi, are you OK? Just know that I'm thinking about you. You know, I haven't been as great of a communicator with you during this time, and I feel like I should reach out. And I just thought that that was interesting, that it took for, for someone to tell someone to listen to my podcast, that person actually doing it, And then listening to what I say and saying reach
0: out, and then they reach out to me. I think it's more than that. I I think a part of it might be somebody telling somebody to listen to your podcast, but I also think that there's been a lot of reflection and a lot of educating of white people on an interpersonal level where they've gotten to hear from others, not you, not me. They've gotten to see socially uh, across the board, hey, maybe I should think about somebody else outside of me. And I think that's where the reaching happens. I don't have a problem with anybody reaching out. I'm, I'm not like you <clears throat> with that. I don't have a problem with anybody reaching out. I I only ever have had an issue with somebody debating history with me in a way that is, um, what, I guess the right, right way to say it is they have a revisionist history right. versus what really Slavery happened. Slavery
1: was only a couple hundred years ago. Get over it. Right. like
0: <laughs> I, If... I don't, I don't want to be the person that breaks the cycle of you thinking of American exceptionalism as a real thing. Like, I want you to go do that work yourself. Like, I don't want to be the person that has to present the argument to you that that's not...
1: As they should, because that's what we've had. We've had to do the work ourselves. Yeah, that
0: that that's where my <laughs> head is at. Right. I don't mind having a, a, a conversation with anybody, especially when it's about having an informed conversation. If you have a point of view and I have a point of view and they differ, I'm fine with having, like, a civil discourse on that. What I'm not about to do though is consistently educate you on something that you can actually do the work to go do. Uh that's where my head is more than anything. But we're we're different people. So No,
1: you know, and when I said, "Hey, reach out to those people," I I didn't know that that was going to result in so many people reaching out to me because like I said before, I've had this podcast. Right. So if you had been listening before, then you would have talked to me about my podcast before, but now you're deciding to listen on this one particular episode. Right. And now you're hearing me say reach out, and now you're feeling like you should. So so my thing wasn't that people were actually Doing what I was telling them to do, it was the fact that I was not expecting the response that I received because no one was listening to me before, you know. And so when when I when I got that, it that, was that, it that, came it it came. I, I'm telling you, every single day somebody different reached out to me that I would have never expected. Like Avia, you know, I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. These are people at work, and so. Me feeling the way that I'm feeling about what's going on in the world, me still having to do my job and put on put on a smile during Zoom meetings and acting like nothing the fuck is wrong with me. And then me having to make sure I respond back to these people that are reaching out and not knowing what to say to them and having to to deal with that over and over and over again of thank you. But I, I don't know what to say. Thank you. You know, um, so I appreciate the reach out. I, it was unexpected. And so because it was unexpected, I kind of felt like my back was against the wall and I had to respond. And I'm like, Avia, you asked for this, but I didn't know it was going to come back to me in, in such a way. Um, besides that, I would say that I went through a medical scare recently that literally changed my whole perspective of life. And it's almost like when you go through a medical scare, you look at Life so differently because you're like You know what I got through this and luckily nothing's Wrong with me now luckily Right this is my second chance At living the way that I view Life right now is so different Than how I viewed it before now I look at like girl something's wrong Get it checked out and Before I was looking at it as Halfway ignorance is bliss And halfway I just Don't want to face reality and deal with it and maybe if I don't deal with it, it'll go away. And so that's what led me to the course of events that happened uh, a month ago, a month and a half ago. And luckily, everything is okay with me, but it just went to show. I mean, look at Chadwick Bozeman's uh, whole health journey. And, you know, no one knew what he was going through. And he, he he did so much in a short amount of time. And part of me thinks it's because he knew what he was diagnosed with, and he wanted to get this work out. He wanted to live his life to the fullest, and I appreciate that. And I think that we all need to live life like that. We all need to live life like we were diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. We all need to live life like we don't have years because we don't know if we do. You know what I'm saying? You got to carpe that effing diem, like seriously. So while we're going through a pandemic, it's like the things that you want to do, do it. It could be little or small. My friend was talking about how she wanted to cut her hair. I'm like, girl, do it. Who the fuck cares? Like, at this point, life is so short. Do what makes you feel happy. And that's why I'm kind of, like, in this mental space like you are. Like, you have to, like, keep yourself sane, happy, keep the good vibes around you because we're going through so much right now. You know? That's all you can do.
0: I think differently than you about the, uh, the, like, I've heard that since I was younger. Like, you know... It's almost the YOLO thing. Like people are like, <laughs> you no. only live one. No, no. But seriously, like you only live once. Like do whatever you like. Go all in. Whatever, like there's levels to
1: YOLO because I feel like a lot of people use YOLO as an excuse to do dumb shit.
0: Yeah, but but this is where, <laughs> but this is where I was going with this. Like I I can't believe I'm bringing up a comedian while we're having a very serious conversation. Okay. though. But Chris Rock a long time ago made a joke about this. He's like, life is long. It is long. He's like, honestly, you just never, ever look at it the way you should. He's like, honestly, there's three things that happen. You eat, you have sex, and you take a crap. That's it. You do that on repeat. Mm -hmm. And he's like, the only other thing you do in between that is entertain yourself. But he's like, it is long for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, in between that time, you just have to find the things that you genuinely want to impact while you're here. Otherwise, what are we doing? Right, mm-hmm. you're saying though, you just never know when something's gonna happen, right? And I think that there is a middle ground between what you're saying and what he's saying. I do believe that for the most part, most people, most people do live average seventy years, right? Mm-hmm. At least in the United States. And so, with that being said, you have to actually at least plan for the long term and make sure that if you are if you have goals that you want to meet in the interim, you prioritize those, but at least plan for the long term. I don't think the average person does enough planning. I think we just do. And we go with the wind a lot of times without planning. That is where I would say, think, just think before you make the action. That's I, it. I totally agree That's with it.
1: you. There's nothing wrong with planning. But there's everything wrong with thinking that if you don't do something this year or next year, you will have the next year after that to do it. Fair. Because no one, I can't tell you how many posts I remember seeing from last year. 2020 is about to be my year. Oh, 2020, I'm about to do this and I'm about to do all these things I never did before. And look how 2020 was like, hold my beer. (laughs) 2020 was like, all y'all ain't going to uh, do nothing that you thought you were going to do on December 31st. All of y'all. And 2020 humbled everybody, right? So now we have people moving out of New York. People are moving <laughs> out of New York City, the place that everybody wants to be at at some point in their lives. They want to they want to experience this energy, this the scene, the people, the and all that's gone.
0: Well, let's, let's go into that a little bit. So, I have my theories on this, and I have a little bit of data on that. Talk about it. So, the first part of this is in August alone, there was there's thirteen thousand apartment vacancies in New York available. Mm. Now September just came, and uh, I believe Cuomo actually e- extended, uh, you know, the eviction. Uh, the eviction clause that he put in place. But it's not going to matter. Even extending that that's doesn't temporary. matter. Because here, <laughs> here's only the issue. It's until the end of the year. It, but, no, but think about this. All this clause is basically saying is that you don't have to pay. You can't kick somebody out right now. But all the back rent is still going to be owed once that notice is up. These people aren't going to have the money to cover. It's been since what? March? March? So what, what? How many months are we in now? Like what? It's been what six we, months. Yeah. So six months of rent. Let's say on average rent is like fifteen hundred. Most
1: people probably don't have six months of rent total in their bank account on a regular.
0: You preaching right now. You are you are absolutely preaching.
1: Essentially, in a perfect world, you would. But especially not in a time like this when you're losing your job and you're trying to use up all your coins that you can just to survive.
0: So I was gonna let's say average rent is fifteen hundred dollars a month, which uh-huh. is way more than that in New York, right. by the way. That would be $9,000. Who the hell has $9,000 in their bank account?
1: Sitting, waiting for a pandemic to happen.
0: Right. (laughs) Now, I've already made my case for this, and I'm going to make it again. I think the government, and you already know who's in charge, so I don't have to say what's going on there. But I think the government has made a bunch of mistakes. I think they've given money to uh, businesses that, in my opinion, you shouldn't be bailing out. Like, you gave, 50, like the
1: airlines? you gave
0: $50 billion to the airlines, right? <laughs> That's insane. Now, what we could have done is given money to the lease owners of the property that these buildings lay on, so then the lease owners don't have to go to the property owners and say, hey, you need to pay me for blah, 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 blah. And then the property owners, aka the landlords, don't have to come down on the tenants and say, hey, you owe us this or get out. Mm-hmm. But what do I know? I'm just.
1: You're just a regular Joe Schmo. (laughs) Living in the Big Apple. Whatever.
0: (laughs) So going back to my point around the 13,000 vacancy, 500,000 upper, and when I say upper, I mean upper to upper middle class white people, 500,000 left New York City in between the time of like April and May, and they might not come back. Mm Mm-hmm. And a part of the reason why they left is because, one, a lot of them had kids. And two, they wanted to make sure that they stayed away from the Rona. And I don't blame them. I don't blame and them. And most of
1: them have second and third houses anyway that they could go to.
0: That's that's also fair. Yeah. So those people have moved away. Now, where is this influx of people going to come in from? I don't. I'm not of the mindset that a lot of these analysts are that New York can't come back. I'm not of that mindset. Mm -hmm. I believe New York absolutely can come back. We've just lost a bit of the soul of it right now. We absolutely have. But the way New York would have to come back is you actually have to allow people an affordable living space in New York. Because right now, New York as a whole, even with rents dropping, like rent dropped in Brooklyn I think thirteen percent over the past month. Rent dropped in Manhattan seven point six percent over the past month, and that that's rent. As far as like actual buying of like a, a condo, co-op, or anything in the city right now, you're seeing prices on a lot of things drop by fifty thousand, seventy thousand, eighty thousand dollars, and they're on. They've been on the market for like the past one hundred days. Hmm. Nobody's purchasing them, and the reason why, in my opinion, that's happening is because you're asking somebody to live in a smaller space and the the major appeal for New York was always all the amenities that you get within that space and the FOMO, the FOMO from not being able to experience that. But now that you don't really have all of those benefits and you don't really have as much of when the When you FOMO, say amenities, hmm?
1: what are you speaking of?
0: I mean the restaurants. The, okay. Uh, the, yeah, let's the make bars, that clear. I thought you were
1: talking about the apartment. I'm like, no, no, most apartments no, no, don't even no, have regular No, no, no. I'm specifically yeah. mm-hmm. talking about the outside. The city amenities. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Restaurants, bars, the clubs, the scene, everything in and around it. And now that has been shut down to outside seating, dining, as your experience. and
1: Maybe you can go to the Met. <laughs> if you reserve your they're, ticket they're ahead just of time be opening
0: up broadway again soon but i don't know how effective that's going to be they're going to be opening up movie theaters probably in the next month or two but i don't know how effective that's going to be
1: what kind of movies are they going to be showing on the movie theater who really wants to release an actual movie right now at the time where they know that they're not going to be making their maximum money
0: again this goes back to the leasing conversation i was having with you it's important that these movie theaters reopen their doors because they're still in their 13-year leases most no. major buildings are in their thirteen-year leases, so if they can't reopen those spaces, then they have to shut down. I totally get that. All
1: I'm saying is that if anyone wanted to release a movie this year or had plans on doing so, the chances of them releasing it in an actual theater to maximize their profit would not be the move. They are Se- going go to go to streaming. But several channels, several and movies like have that. been
0: released at the movies. Because there are certain states that didn't have the coronavirus as worse as we did. Mm. And so it has that has happened. It just didn't make the impact that they were expecting. Oh, of course. I think this they're, is opening
1: gonna, the, they're opening their doors in vain. They're not about to make any substantial
0: I think what the profit. coronavirus has done is expose four or five industries for what they were. Unnecessary for the most part is where I'm going to lean into a lot of these. With the movie industry, you can actually watch a movie at home and get a very similar experience, in my opinion, depending on the size of your TV and the surround sound system that you have. You can recreate the same experience in a home. BYOB. But, okay. And then, so we were just paying to go to a space and socialize with other people. Same thing. Just so
1: I could fall asleep.
0: Right. But, <laughs> but you could say the same exact thing about a bar. Like... The reason why bars are so good is because you want to be able to socialize and be active with other people, but they're charging you like, I don't know, 40% markup for alcohol that you can go to the store and buy for cheaper. So again, exposing the fact that you don't actually need that to link up with people, have drinks or do anything. And then colleges, the amount that people were charging in tuition to go to the same schools and network with certain people and now... Opening up those doors, and a lot of these big Ivy League schools have just been like, "Hey, guess what? We're not going to actually have you know in-person learning. We're going to have you do it over, you know, Zoom."
1: You might as well go to online. Phoenix, Phoenix University, or something. And, and at the
0: point that that changes, can you still charge the same when you're not doing the same level of networking? And what are you really getting out of that? Are you saying that you're providing a much more a better educational environment Are you saying that you're Aligning these kids with other smart people that are like them No you're not, you're not doing any of that But you're still expecting them to pay the same amount No I I I feel like This generation has the opportunity to change All of the shit that we went through That we didn't change Um, And then finally I, There's two more but I don't need to go through all of them But there's two more that I feel like industry-wise, have just been shook to their core. Um, I think college athletics in itself has been changed. Mm. I think the kids have an opportunity to fight against free labor, and they should. And I hope they actually pursue that. Because all this is, is free labor, and you're paying coaches and a bunch of older white men to break your back. But Whatever. Mm -hmm. And then finally, I think the last one I was going to bring up out of all this and out of all the industries and everything that's happened, we've, we talked about the movie industry. We talked about education. We talked about college athletics, but I think business in itself and owning a workspace, like an actual building where you have to go into. How important is that to the core of your business to have people in person versus being able to have them do that same work virtually? Because you are telling us for years that it's important that you have this working environment in person. And I wanna understand if you guys are gonna actually continue to maintain the leases that you have, which is costing you on your bottom line, when you can actually do a lot of the work from home and it's being proven right now in real time.
1: Yeah, let's just have a whole bunch of WeWorks open up and everyone just <laughs> comes in when they come in, you know?
0: But I, I don't know if it's necessary anymore.
1: I mean, if you want to have a that face-to-face interaction from time to time in your company instead of actually leasing out of space and spending all this money. It's true all that money that you save could be going to uh, raising people's salaries or hiring more people or better technology for your company or who
0: knows. I know when I was at a small company, it was like four or five years ago, and so I know his rent would probably be completely different now, but I saw the statements. He was, just for one floor, the rent was $30,000 mm, for mm-hmm. one floor. $30,000. What we'll part of New York? That was on 28th. So imagine what that's costing. Flat iron. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, in my mind, if you have three three, four, five, six floors, and you times that by 30, I mean, there is so much money you are wasting every single month right now if employees aren't in the office. Why would you still maintain that? I, I, I don't know. All of our companies are pretty much spending money
1: on rent. For floors that are not being utilized right now, so imagine that that thirty k a month is being spent right now for something that's not even being utilized at this point. If you're working from home, um, I I say that you brought up I mean pretty much all the points. Uh, you know I think that if anything, this virus has humbled everything. Is not only humbled us as regular people, but it's humbled all these larger corporations who've been raping us out of our money for utilizing their services, especially the airlines, especially the airlines. And honestly, I don't feel bad because I remember when I was like nine years old, getting on a flight and we got served full meals for free. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I I sound like my parents right now. I remember back in Back in the day, back in the day when you used to fly, You used to have a choice of meals. Like three different options just on a regular coach flight.
0: You also didn't think (laughs) about having a carry-on because you could check a bag for free.
1: Two, three free check-in bags. Like it wasn't even a thought that it was free. That was just the standard. Choosing a seat did not cost more. It's almost like these airlines... Basically started following a Spirit airline model, right? (laughs) The only problem was Spirit was already cheaper than them. So Spirit, your ticket may be fifteen dollars, right, to go from coast to coast. I'm being, I'm, I'm exaggerating. You're not lying. Your, your ticket may be. $48 to go from New York to California, maybe. But you have to pay for, you know, printing your boarding pass out. You have to pay for choosing your seat. You have to pay an oxygen fee to breathe the air on the plane. Maybe you got to pay for a seatbelt. And I'm being funny when I say this. So Spirit had this model of charging for all these little trivial, frivolous things. And these airlines were like, you know what? Let's get hit to Spirit. Now, who wants to fly Spirit because they don't trust it? They trust us, though. So let's make sure that we charge them for, hey, you want to sit at a window seat? We're going to charge you for choosing a seat. Hey, you want a meal? We're going to charge you for a meal. Hey, you want to um, check in a bag? We're going to charge you for that because we know you're used to checking in bags. And we know that you're not going to now look for ways to start packing lighter because who wants to go through that, that whole process? Let me tell you, I immediately learned how to pack lighter once I found out that the airlines that I love were charging for, for checking in a bag. I was like, guess what? I'm flying with the carry-on every single time. And if it doesn't fit, oh well, I will make it fit underneath my seat or above me. So I don't actually feel bad for United who got what, five billion, million dollars and now they're laying off people. I, I do feel bad for the people they're laying off, but I don't feel bad for the humbling that they are now going through for raping us. And I say that in a very financial way um, for everything that we got and just just like really just not giving a damn about their customers. You know what I'm saying? I agree. And so these corporations are now, are now being humbled. Um, I will say for New York City, when you speak about city amenities, that's facts. De Blasio said a couple of days ago, "I'm not worried about the city bouncing back. We bounced back from Hurricane Sandy. We bounced back from the um the stock market crashes. We bounced back from 9/11. We bounced back from all these things. The one thing that we've never had before in our generation or anyone else's generation who's living is a freaking pandemic." So in his mind, we've bounced back from bombings. We've bounced back from hurricanes and all these natural disasters and financial disasters. But we haven't had this before. And yes, New York will bounce back. But right now, New York has been humbled. For once. For once. Oh, yeah. New York. That's not a question. New York has always been like. BMOC, big man on campus, like y'all want to come hang out with me, y'all want to sit with me, y'all can't sit with me. You have to have X amount of dollars to live in New York just to feel broke, right? And and those X amount of dollars will make you rich elsewhere like Atlanta. So it's like New York is in this state that they are now having to look for people to come back. And it's going to take time. You have major retail chains.
0: I think no, no, but I, I think that the bigger issue is, even with rents dropping, they're still not affordable to the average American that would be coming from another city.
1: But on top of that,
0: do you know what I mean? Even
1: if they've never been affordable for any person who was coming from a different city, they never been, exactly. But the incentive was and the rationale was, New York is expensive as hell, but in New York they have. Every single industry that you could ever want to work for. And so if you choose to change your job or change your path, you can do it and not have to move. They also have all these incentives, all these things to do, all these reasons to not be in your tiny ass apartment that you're paying too much for. So it really doesn't make sense anyway. But still, it's like we were literally people were literally paying to live in New York for the job opportunity, for the money opportunity, and for the social fun aspect opportunities. And now all of that is gone. Because you can do, depending on the job, you can do it from freaking Thailand, you know? And in Thailand, everything's cheap. So it's like, yeah, you're 12 hours ahead. So you may have to work on that. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. And I I think that, you know, we're definitely on the same page about this. It's interesting to see. I don't have any love lost for New York. I feel like, honestly, really, I feel like, okay. honestly, though, I say I don't have love lost because this is what it needed to go through. Honestly. This is what all of these corporations, and I feel like New York is a corporation, New York City, this is what they needed to go through to reverse the tide so that things could be on a better playing field. This is what had to happen in order for all of this to happen. In order for these rents to be knocked down to the price that they probably should be in the first place. To, you know, these companies finally doing right by their customers. You know, this is something this is big I've heard, like this okay. happened to I've happen. I've heard
0: somebody say something like what you're saying right now on Twitter. And mm-hmm. and it, I don't agree with it 100%. I get the premise. What they were saying was it took the pandemic for... People and corporations. So both people and corporations, mm-hmm. not just one or the other, but people and corporations, to start cleaning out and doing things properly. So for instance, totally agree. People start washing their hands more often.
1: Totally agree.
0: People start actually properly
1: or at all. What right? right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, I gotta wash my hands when I come in the house. Oh, damn! I thought I only had to do that after the bathroom. Ill people
0: oh people start being more attentive about what other people are doing and then paying attention to others when they're out socially they would never do that before mm. and then corporations uh corporations because of the pandemic had to pay attention to things that they would have never had to pay attention before so when you start with the pandemic part of it and then you enter you interweave that with the social injustice and unrest that's happening they had to do they have to take on two different things so the first part of that think about movie theaters they now have cleaning and plastic Like plastic barriers between every seat. Now they clean and they like basically like use like a power washer in between movies and they sweep. Uh, Shouldn't that have been happening in general? I don't think we needed a pandemic for that. Uh, I don't think I need popcorn up the crack of my butt. But whatever. (laughs) That's just me. But then on the other end, there is the idea that when the social unrest took place. A lot of these companies are like oh maybe we should be looking at the diversity candidates that we don't have in managerial positions or maybe we should start putting out messages to say we're more inclusive than we are but then they are all jumping on the same landmines when they were doing that because there are employees at every single one of these companies that can tell you that they're not living up to those things that they're telling people they are adidas is the perfect example. Mm-hmm. The, the girl who did the Adidas protest and more power and respect to her. She basically let everybody in on their little, uh, their ideology is internally. Where you would show like, let me put up a Confederate flag symbol and a bunch of these other symbols. How do these make you feel? How do we elicit some kind of emotion? I don't need you to put up a Confederate flag symbol and or show anything from the civil. No. No. They're not getting it. Right. And so (laughs) I said all that to say, um, I think in terms of being able to come back though, and companies taking things seriously, I think it's going to take a few years. I don't want to use the term humble because you are right. It has been humble, but I do believe that the only way New York can actually become New York again is to give everybody the opportunity to come here at one time. Like we don't, we're not, we do not make New York accessible. Accessible. We just don't. We don't. Like, the way that we work is everything's turnkey. Everything has to happen. And I've already told you this joke, but I keep saying it over and over again. In New York, I live. New York is the only city I've ever been in outside of Tokyo where we rush to wait. So we rush to get on the train to wait for the train. We rush to get into work to wait for the elevator to get up to... Like we rush to get to the club And wait outside in the line To get to the Everything is at an expedited pace To just then wait And do the regular thing that you'd have to do Anywhere else to get there And if New York just took a beat, paused And like actually looked around Like if New York was a person and looked around And was a little bit more empathetic To the things that was happening around it And it wasn't all about capitalism I think New York in the heartbeat of it Would come back to a certain extent
1: but don't don't you, I mean, you're pretty much on, on the line of what I was saying of the only way New York could have taken this beat is for something to stop it, right? And Hurricane Sandy did not stop New York. It only delayed certain parts of it, like the L train, you know? Like, I mean, it didn't stop New York. 9-11 right. didn't even really stop New York. It stopped it for a minute, but it really just kind of, you know, things were still happening. People still had their jobs. You know, people still had livelihoods. People were still living about their lives. They were just doing it cautiously. That's really all that was, is adding a certain level of cautiousness to everyday things. It kept going, though. This was the only thing that stopped everything. And so New York would have never been able to take that pause without this. It's almost like a couple... So imagine you living in New York is like being in a relationship with New York. And a lot of people say that. like Living here is like being in a relationship with this city. It's a love-hate relationship. There are things that you love about this city, and there's things that you absolutely despise and that would make you leave in a hot second if you didn't love those other things, right? So being in a relationship, things aren't going well. And the things that are not going well are the continuous things that just haven't been going well for forever. They're not new things it's just the things that you already didn't like about the relationship that just continuously happen throughout the relationship i agree the only way for new york as my boyfriend or as your girlfriend (laughs) to straighten up and fly right would be for me to break up with it or for another force to come into my, my relationship with new york to break us up and now new york is like damn now that i'm single I ain't got nobody right now. I ain't got nobody. I don't even have the thirteen thousand people that left in August. I ain't. I am at a deficit of relationships right now. I need to like analyze what I've been doing wrong to make people want to leave at a critical time and not stay and and be part of this relationship with me anymore. Well, to I, to continue so that they can come back to me. It's it's like it's like get, being in a toxic relationship, a semi toxic one, and then. Something traumatic happening for that person to realize, I need to change some things within myself so that I can continue this relationship. And that's what New York is doing right now. That's what these corporations are doing right now. And maybe the intent behind it is is selfish because the intent behind everyone changing their ways, including these companies are now all about diversity and inclusion. The intent is behind... I need to get in line with what's going on in the world right now. Not because I actually want to do it, maybe, but because I kind of have to do it to survive. But even with the intent possibly being faulty, they realize this is what needs to happen in order for things to progress and not regress. And right now we are in a state of regression. RIP to the well, I mean, damn. You know, like, the the most popular venues that I used to go to on any given summer are now, like, hey, we have nothing else. You know,
0: so... Unemployment, like, there's... From last year to now, there's 700,000 New York City residents that are out of a job. 700,000. I mean, and the Bronx was the borough that was hit the worst. Wow. And a part of that is... um, a lot of those people have jobs that are not uh, white collar, mm-hmm. and a lot of those people are also minorities. So mm-hmm. of course they're hit even differently. And all I keep thinking about, I'm like, when you have that many people out of work, something's gonna happen. Oh yeah, something is going to happen. It's not about it's not even about leaving because I see what ha- I see what was happening in L.A. and how L.A. has been responding to unemployment and how L.A has responded to some of the social injustice and i was like i feel like we had our we had a like a i think when people were like looting and doing a lot of things they were doing i think there was a bigger i think there's two things that were happening there there's people who were just being ridiculous Mm -hmm. and wanted to cause trouble but i also feel like there was other people who just were tired and they didn't have anything and they just Did what they did i'm not saying that i sympathize or empathize with looting or breaking into anybody's property but what i am saying is when you push somebody to the brink of anything they might take an extreme length um which then i want to pivot our conversation to one last thing before we we head out um i did want to cover a little bit about what has taken place over the last couple of weeks between jacob blake uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, and then the president in itself and where he stands on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Jacob Blake stuff, I, I still haven't completely watched the full clip. I refuse. I know it took place. I still haven't watched the completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be paralyzed for probably the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And that's just how that happened. And it's unfortunate that his father has to speak on his behalf. It's unfortunate that any of this stuff took place. Um, it's sad
1: to even say he's lucky to be paralyzed.
0: That's insane. You um, know? But the idea that he doesn't have a weapon in his hand and the idea that they're saying, oh, he could have been reaching for a knife. That he could have,
1: should have, hypothetical would have.
0: So, but your job is not to shoot him.
1: That's your last resort. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but there needs to be like a thousand resorts in between there. So then seeing the, that duality against what happened with kyle rittenhouse and how kyle wasn't even from he's not even from From
1: wisconsin
0: right you 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 showed up as an avid supporter of the active president of the united states um to wield your ar-15 around
1: high five the cops (laughs) hey how's it going
0: now i don't know all the details on this I can only tell you what I've read in multiple places, the but I don't know all the details. The
1: cops saw him with the gum, gun and in, in, encouraged him.
0: But his lawyer is saying that, yeah, he did shoot somebody, and then people chased him,
1: and then he did things out of self-defense, right? Right, which is why he ended up shooting the, the other people.
0: Yes. Right. I don't know what's. I don't know what's true. All I know is you having the gun. You having that AR-15 is what made you feel emboldened enough to do that. You having the right to do that also is insane to me. And the fact that the cops just blaze right by you when you have a gun in your hand. Meanwhile, I don't know, did did Jacob have anything in his hand? And he got lit up? Like, the way that America views that and how they're... Fox News anchors like Tucker Carlson who defended that. I can't. It's insane. But then I just want to go back to our president. And I'll, I'll end this off on just talking about him. Because today. on a
1: low note. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> well, today he, he dug in deeper because not only did he not. It, he didn't denounce what Kyle had done. Of course not yeah you're right i don't know <laughs> why would I, don't, he? I don't know why what, what there was, was violence
1: on both sides oh everything's God. a both sides thing when he knows someone's in the wrong that's but really what, what that is what
0: he did today was he went into the system and said critical race theory will be exterminated we're taking it away uh from the police departments we are eradicating this because it's bs basically now for those who don't know what critical race theory is Critical race theory helps to contextualize how systematic racism affects us. Trump and his party perpetuate systematic racism, but pretend that it doesn't exist. And of course, he wants sightings of critical race theory reported. This, to me, is the definition of white supremacy. And he does not if he doesn't realize that that's what he's doing by saying, hey, no police department should have to talk about this. And this is not a non-issue. And it's a fake hoax thing that the left wing media is made up at this point man good riddance to this dude good riddance <laughs> at this
1: point shoot 4 years ago good riddance i personally i um i'm not shocked i'm not surprised i'm not even like wow you know like the, it, it would take a lot for me to be um shocked yeah
0: surprise (laughs) bewildered Bewildered. dumbfounded
1: Dumbfounded by anything (laughs) this guy does I'm like yeah sounds about right now just because I believe it sounds about right doesn't mean I'm okay with it it's just kind of like after everything that's transpired that that falls into the realm of who he is as a person so I mean it's like why wouldn't that happen why not why wouldn't that happen his job is to do the wrong thing he is the worst president we have ever had and in that is history, saying a in, lot. in modern
0: history you mean sure you mean in modern history sure. because you can't say he's the worst president we've had i we've mean that it, <coughs> abraham lincoln wanted all black people to go back to africa after the civil rights i mean so i'm just saying trump, i don't know
1: trump wants the same essentially <laughs> trump doesn't want the same trump wants all mexicans george, george to go george back washington, to mexico
0: george washington had a slave trump, I don't know.
1: trump has people <laughs> in cages at the border like, so it's like... Obama are, had that too. We are not, huh?
0: Obama had that too. They all had that. Okay, but
1: Obama was... Um, don't,
0: don't defend this. Th- th- continue that.
1: I'm not defending it. I'm just saying the difference with Obama and ICE is he was deporting people that were an issue to society. Not everyone. And Trump is like, oh, you're not from here? Bye. Well, bye, Melania. <laughs> okay? Um, I, I just... I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. And I understand your theory of not wanting to see this black br- brutality over and over again. Because I feel like every single day it's something different, right? Facts. And I feel like every single day, the news, it's like this propaganda. They want us to see this. They want they they, they want to... Um, make us immune to this. I think that's what it is. They want to show us these stories over and over over so that, like you said, it becomes a normalized thing. And that's why these people that follow Sean King, and I know you told me about him long before, he is the shade room of black brutality. (laughs) And if you are following Sean King, you are not protecting your mental health. And that's all I have to say about that. I think the theme of this We just need to protect our mental health at this point because there are too many things being thrown at us in all directions that are testing us.
0: Um, I'll leave on this note. um, I don't know if you guys have followed any of the stories that have happened over the past couple of weeks or months for that matter. But there is a woman by the name of uh, I believe her name is Jessica.
1: Oh, we need to talk about her next episode. I got I got a lot to say about her.
0: But look, look, look her up. Uh, last name K R U G. Just put that in there, and you find her. Uh, she was uh, pretending that she was a black woman, and she was a white woman.
1: I think we need to touch on that.
0: But, but I, I just want to leave on this note. Um, so moving forward, for society's sake, I, I'm going to pretend as if I'm a white man. So when I'm in public, please do not kill me.
1: Hey. I've been pretending I'm a white woman this whole time so can you increase my paycheck by a, a good <laughs> 60, 70k for the job that I do? Uh,
0: <laughs> Alright guys hopefully you guys uh, hopefully you guys had a good time with us today I know it was very We're serious. gonna come back
1: soon we promise it won't be like four months <laughs> before we come back We missed y'all I hope you guys have missed us
0: uh, Catch us on SoundCloud Catch us on YouTube Spotify Play, Spotify iTunes uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter uh, at Goodnight Night Harlem. Good night.